0: Good morning, everybody. So glad you guys are here as we continue our series, Life Hacks. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. Privileged to open the Bible with you today and to continue to journey through the book of James together. In this series, we're looking at life hacks. We're looking at little tricks. We're looking at new ways to look at old situations and circumstances. And we're finding this life hack from the word of God in the book of James We began with a look at the life hack for for dealing with trouble. And as we looked at the life hack for dealing with trouble, it encouraged many of us. And so today we step in and we are going to look at the life hack for dealing with worry or anxiety. And as I jump into today's talk, some of you already get worried or anxious that we're talking about worry or anxiety. I get that. Even just the idea of saying worry out loud makes you a bit worried. Even talking about anxiety makes you anxious. I get that. I have people that will come up to me before I speak or before I preach on Sunday mornings. And they will say something like this. They'll say, hey, do you get nervous before you talk? No? No? Well, you know, speaking in front of people is like the the second scariest thing according to studies. There's the fear of death and the fear of public speaking. Does it not make you fearful to talk to people? No, I'm pretty good. And then they'll ask a follow-up question. Well, do you realize that the spiritual life of people hangs in the balance, that you're not just a... Speaker, you're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so literally heaven and hell hangs in the balance as you speak. Like, well, I, you know, I'm, you know, I wasn't feeling nervous, but now a little, little bit. And then they'll say, well, if you can stand up knowing that you're a minister of the gospel and you're not scared of a group of people. Do you realize that the book of James tells you that teachers should be careful because they're going to be double judged based, based on what they say? So does it make you anxious that you're talking to a group of people and heaven and hell, eternity hangs in the balance, and if you get it right, you will be blessed? If you get it wrong, you're going to be double judged? Does that make you nervous? Well, it did until I talked to you. So then I turned it on him. Hey, uh, does it make you nervous that you walk into a group of kids each and every day? you got 25 third graders that are dependent upon you. Everything they need is dependent upon you for that seven-hour, eight-hour time frame. Does that make you nervous? No, I feel pretty comfortable. Does it make you nervous that who they will become and their character shaped by their third grade teacher and a significant, no, I'm good. I just keep ramping it up until we both end up in a huddled mass crying full of anxiety and worry. That's what I do. Aren't you glad that we've got an option that's better than just living with anxiety and worry? Aren't you glad that we've got a life hack that comes from the word of God, a truth that we can live our lives based on? that we don't have to ramp up worry in each other's lives. We can be people that help each other trust and depend upon the Lord. That's what we're gonna talk about today. And I'm gonna be straight up honest and real about some points in my life where I've had to learn how to deal with anxiety and how I've had to deal with worry in my world. And the first one is this, like worry wells up in me and worry wells up in you. And you can fill in this blank when we think that life is by us and life is for us, when we believe that we are the cause or we are the source or we are the reason that things will go good or bad in our lives in totality, when we forget that God is the one who's in charge and instead we put ourselves in the place of the one who's in charge, when we forget that God is the sovereign one, And we are the dependent ones. We worry when we think life is by us. Think about that. If you have to be in control of every area of your life, you're going to be filled with worry and anxiety. If you have to control everything and everyone, all the moving pieces, worry and anxiety is your only option. When you think that life is by you, you're in charge. You will worry. And when you think that life is for you, you will worry. You will experience anxiety. What do I mean by that? Well, if you think that you're you're able to produce and you're able to create this life that's all for you. You are going to worry if you aren't able to create the life that you dream of. You're going to try and and do more and more and more. You're going to push more and more anxiety and worry deep into your life because you're like, if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. And this life is by me and this life is for me. But God's word is going to tell us that life isn't by us and life isn't for us. Listen to this, James 4, 13 through 14. And I... When you read the Bible and, and you see yourself on the page or you read the Bible and you see yourself and you go, guilty as charged, this is one of those guilty as charged passages for me. James 4, 13 through 14. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Verse 14. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, the warning here in Scripture is that there are times when we make plans. And God looks and says, who are you to make those kind of plans? You think that life is by you and for you? Go ahead and make your plan you will say, we're going to go do this for a year and we're going to make some money. We've got a strategy for entering into this city and we're going to make some money. We've got a plan. And God says through the book of James, who are you to think that life is by you or for you? Instead, the Bible says here, we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. One of the reasons that we try to to keep control of today Is because tomorrow scares us. One of the reasons we try and keep control of this moment is because what comes tomorrow, we don't know what it is. And the Bible affirms that. We don't know what tomorrow holds. In fact, we are so, when compared to God, so limited in our thinking, so limited in our perspective, we are but a mist. That word mist is like a vapor, It's the same word, like picture that Solomon used. The richest, wisest man on earth. He used that same image when he said all life is vanity. All life is like a vapor. All life is like a mist here under the sun. And when I think life is by me or for me, anxiety is going to well up. Listen to how the worry cycle begins. You feel stress. How many of you would say in your given day, your given week, you feel some form of stress? Everybody, right? Christy and I used to have this argument because I always saw stress as a bad thing. And I always saw stress as a complete negative. And so anytime she would tell me, hey, you, you look a little stressed, or hey, are you, how are you dealing with your stress? I would always say, I'm not stressed. I'm not stressed. I'm just busy. I'm not stressed, we're just cruising along. Sometimes people Christianize my thought and they say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. But get this, we are all stressed. And stress can make us work harder, stress can focus us, stress can lead us to do things in an improved way. But stress can also lead us to worry. Because when you feel a stress or when I feel a stress, If it doesn't improve us, what we try and do is take control of it. And when we try and take control of a stress, what happens? We can't control it. And so what do we do? We try to apply more control and more control and more control and more control. And every time we add more control to a stressful situation, our anxiety level, our worry, our fear grows until it's out of control. We see this stress and we think life is by me and life is for me. I can make my plan to get through this and we try and control it. Forgetting that we're but a mist. Forgetting that we're but a vapor. And the anxiety wells up. And the worry wells up. So the book of James offers a better perspective than just this worry cycle. And it is this. Fill in the second blank know that God's will determines our steps. If we as believers truly know that God is sovereign, he is the one who's in control. He is the one who's had the plan from the beginning of time to the end of time, and we're a part of his plan. If we truly believe as Christ followers that God has ordered the steps of our day, then we we can deal with anxiety and we can deal with worry. We can deal with unhealthy stress by knowing that it's God's will that determines our steps. So James is going to offer a contrast. Instead of the life that says we're going to go with our plan and we're going to make money for a year, we're but a mist, we're but a vapor. Instead of that kind of perspective, life is for me and by me. Listen to the new perspective where we know that God's will determines our steps. James 4, 15 and 16, instead, instead of boasting in your plans, instead, you ought to say, if this is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all boasting is evil. See, James brings in this faith perspective that says, if it's God's will, then we will do it. When's the last time you submitted your hopes and your dreams and your plans to the will of God? Where instead of simply saying, I've got my plan, I've got my desire, I've got my wants, I've got my future mapped out. When's the last time you took that preferred future for your life as you see it, that boasting that you do, and submitted it to the will of God? Because James here wants us to know that submitting our lives and our plan, we're going to see this again and again and again and again as we study today, submitting our lives and our plan is one way of dealing with the stress and the anxiety that wells up in many of us. When I know that it's God's plan that's being unfolded before my very eyes, when I know that God's plan is being unfolded in my life, I can trust him instead of trusting myself. When I add, if it's the Lord's will, I remind myself that he's the one who's in charge, not me. If it's Mike's will, we will do this. (laughs) If it's Mike's will, we will worry. If it's Mike's will, we should pray. If it's Mike's will, we got some issues. But if it's God's will, we can have confidence, we can trust, we can depend upon, we can obey. So you say, Mike, if it's God's will for me to do this or that, what's my role in that? If God's will is going to be done, what should I be doing? If God has mapped out my days from the beginning to the end, if if it's all written, what should I do? Well, James tells us, you can fill in this blank. You can do the next right thing. When you know that God is in charge and you know that your perspective and your desires are limited at best and corrupt at worst, when you know that, but God's plan is being unfolded before your very eyes, what do you do? You just do the next right thing. You take that next step. Reality is this. God doesn't need to show us the whole story before we take our next step. We do the next right thing. Listen, James 4, verse 17. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. See, this mentality of trusting God along the way, and obeying him each step of the way. You might not know how it all ends, but you know the next step you should take to please and to honor him, to give him glory like we sang about a moment ago. You know that next right step, so take it. Does a couple things here. When you take your next right step, it puts you in a position of obedience to God. If I don't take my next right step, what's that make me? It makes me disobedient to God. The Bible here calls that sin. You know what else it does whenever you take your next right step? It lets you deal with your control. It lets you deal with worry and anxiety in real ways. Because you're not frozen in fear. You are walking with the Lord Jesus Christ and taking the next right step. Now, I've got a question that's going to be difficult for some of you to answer. How many of us in Internet Campus play along? How many of us are indecisive? See, right now the indecisive people are like, I don't know if I should raise my hand or not. I'm I'm not sure. Do you you think I'm indecisive? Should should I raise my hand? I don't know. That's why it's hard to answer. But so many times if we think life is for us and by us, and if we forget that it's God's will that determines our step, we will be indecisive and frozen in fear. Bless you. And the Bible says, instead, we should be people who will willingly take the next right step. Those of you who are indecisive, I don't understand indecisive people. I, I don't. I, I mean, I empathize, I sympathize, whichever one means. I can't relate, but I, I get that it's difficult for you. Because I, I'm, I'm one that wants to take a step even before I know which direction to step. I might not be right, but I'm certain if you know what I'm saying. And so indecisive people, can, can you see that you don't have to take every step? Just take that next right step. Do what God has called you to do in that moment, to love and honor him. And I'm going to give you a practical step that we can all take anytime, wherever we are. But what I want to encourage you is that with a posture of prayer and a perspective of praise... Pursue God and do what he tells you to do. Take your next step. And then, fourth, I want you to submit your plan to God's plan. Pastor Craig Grischel from Life Church said this He said, You might not always have the power to control, but you always have the power to submit. You might not be able to control what's happening in your life, but you always have the power to submit your life to the power of the one who can control. That's the Lord God Almighty. When we talk about submitting our lives to God's plan, it's you and me saying, I'm powerless to accomplish what only you can accomplish. I'm powerless. to to control my life in such a way that worry and anxiety, today's topic, doesn't well up in me. So God, I am going to submit my plan to you. Listen to how James puts it, James 4, 7 through 10. This is the word of God. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Listen to what happens when you submit your plan to God. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. One of the reasons that anxiety and worry leaves you when you submit your plan to God is because the enemy is using anxiety and worry as a tool to distract you from following God. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And now look at this promise. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Look at those benefits. Benefits of submitting your plan to God's plan, submitting yourselves to God. It takes a radical change for some. That's why James says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Whatever is happening in your life that makes you like seem proud, whatever is happening in your life that makes it seem like you're the one that's in charge, whatever it makes it... Look like in your life. Change it because here's the goal. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It takes a lot of humility to admit that there are times when worry and anxiety is real. It takes a lot of humility to admit that we aren't in charge And God is. It takes a lot of humility to answer your wife or to answer your friend when they ask you, how are you doing with all the stress that's going on in your life? It takes a lot of humility to be real with that answer. But what's the promise if we find that humility before God? Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Because he's the one that's in charge. Life is by him and for him. He will lift you up. As we keep studying the book of James, the life hack that I want to give you today for dealing with the stress and the anxiety and worry that comes around far too often. The life hack is this. Pray through the pain or the problem with a perspective of praise. One of the things that the book of James is known for is for its teaching on prayer and the confidence and the assurance that we should have as believers that prayer actually works. And so as James tells us to submit our lives to God, we are going to learn how to pray through the pain of the problem with a perspective of praise. First way is this. James is going to encourage us to keep walking, and you can fill in this blank. Keep walking with Jesus, no matter the trouble or the trial. If you are feeling anxiety or worry, if stress is stressing you out, keep walking with Jesus despite the stressor. Keep walking with Jesus despite the worry, despite the anxiety. James 5, verse 13, listen to what the Bible says. If any of you is in trouble, let them pray. If you are in a season where you're experiencing trouble or trials, what's your action step? It is to pray. And I'm going to tell you to pray with a perspective of praise and keep walking with Jesus. Keep reading. If anyone is happy, let them sing songs of praise. Whether you are having a day where it is Seemingly impossible for you to praise Jesus. Or are you having a day when it's seemingly impossible for you not to praise Jesus? Keep walking with him. If you are in trouble, pray. If life is good, sing songs of praise. Sometimes I have people ask me, Mike, is stress a sin? Jesus was stressed in the Garden of Gethsemane as he prayed. He prayed to the point of of literally shedding blood through his pores. He prayed not once, not twice, but three times, full of physical stress. You know what he did in the midst of that prayer? He said, not my will be done, but your will be done, God. Is stress a sin? No. But stress is a signal that it's time to talk to God. Worry is a warning, but it's time to turn to God. Stop depending upon yourself. Stop thinking it's all by you and for you. Worry is a warning. And anxiety is an alert, that it's time to pray. You guys know I, I drive a 2002 Chevy Tahoe. 17 years old. And there's always some sort of warning light going off in the Tahoe. And from the very day that I've had it, I've had to ignore one warning light. It's that check engine light. People get in there like, hey bro, check engine. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's always there. Check engine. It, don't Don't worry about that. It's been there for like, Eight years now. Don't worry about that. There's there's one warning that will cause me to pull over at a moment's notice. When that low engine oil light comes on, and it's a big bright orange light that comes on. Like I am pulling over immediately. And I, I told you this before. If you ever see me on the side of the road and I'm pouring oil in the Tahoe, that's just the dance we do. That's just how it works. Which warning light are you ignoring when it comes to stress or worry or anxiety? Friends, we need to be careful and know that there are some warning signs in our life that we cannot ignore. And if you are experiencing stress that's damaging, that's a signal for you to talk to God. If you are worrying to the point of problems, that's a warning that you need to turn to God. If you are anxious, it's an alert that it's time to pray. And as you pray with the perspective of praise, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray, thanking God for who he is, no matter what you're going through. When I can divert my attention from me and my stress and anxiety and worry and focus it instead on who God is, great and glorious, who God is, mighty and holy, who God is, in charge, eternal, the one who has a perfect plan for me, when I can divert my attention from myself to God and who he is through prayer, no matter what I'm going through. That is a step of praying with a perspective of praise. Essentially, what I'm telling you to do is to praise God for who he is before he provides anything for you praise before provision because it's that praise before provision that will help us deal with the stress and the anxiety and the worry that wells up when we try and control the uncontrollable. Then the last, and you probably could fill in this blank on your own, but I want you to pray like it matters. When I tell you that there's a solution, when I tell you that, that prayer is a Part of you solving the stress and anxiety of your life. When I tell you that talking to God matters, some of you look and go, Well, it's just talk? I don't, I don't know that it actually does anything, Mike. And the book of James wants us to leave with an assurance and a confidence today that we should pray like it matters. A few weeks back, we had a guest from the Middle East come. Her name was Dania. And Danya was sharing her story from Operation Christmas Child. She received a shoebox. And she was in the middle of a town where they were the only believers or limited number of Christians. They were experiencing severe persecution because of their faith. And Danya would come home from school and she would mention to her mom that, you know, we don't have the clothes or the food that everybody else has. I wish that we had. What others have. This family was so poor and so destitute that they were having to share toothbrushes, boiling water, and sharing a toothbrush between brushings. And Danya would say things like, "Mom, I wish we had." Or, "Mom, why? What? What can we have? I wish. I wish. I wish. I wish." And her mom looked at her and she said, "Don't wish and hope, but instead pray. Apply your wish." Apply your hope to prayer. When we say, I wish something would come true, or I hope something comes true, we're still putting it on us and by us and for us. But when we translate that wish and hope to prayer, what are we doing? We are trusting God with it. And if Donya were here today, she'd tell you the story far better than I did. They were praying specifically for a radio. They had no entertainment. They had no... Way to in- engage with anything except each other. Once they were in their house, and their house had very limited furniture, and so they prayed for a radio. I'm guessing it would provide entertainment, also might provide a way for them to get some teaching across the airwaves. And as they opened the shoebox that Danya was given, there was a radio placed inside that shoebox. Danya's mom said, "Don't just wish and hope. Pray." And they opened that box and not only was there a toothbrush, not only was there school supplies, not only was there fun things for the kids to do, but there was an answered prayer from God in that box. I just wonder how many times personally I've missed it. Because I've simply wished and hoped instead of prayed like it matters. James 5 verse 14 says this, is any of you is any among you sick let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord it reminds us that if it's big enough to worry about it's big enough to pray about if you are wondering is there an area in your life that's too small to pray about if it is big enough for you to worry about it, it is big enough for you to pray about it worried about a doctor's appointment pray have a decision you need to make pray Students struggling to make the grades, pray. Parent trying to figure out how you're gonna pay for all this, pray. If it is big enough to worry about, it is big enough to pray about. And listen to what James says happens when we pray. Listen to the profound difference prayer can make. James 5, 15 and 16. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then, get this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The Bible here says that we should be the kind of people that will so submit ourselves to God that we will be people who pray and who confess our needs to each other. We will be people who pray and tell each other where we're struggling with sin or where we're struggling in life. We will be people who pray because we know that prayer is powerful and prayer is effective. Prayer is so powerful that there's nothing in this world that if you pray by faith that God is that God is incapable of doing because it is powerful. He is almighty. And prayer is effective. Prayer as we lay out our needs before God with an attitude of thankfulness. Prayer is effective. It works. As you look at the fact that we've got a choice, we can live with anxiety and worry. And anxiety and worry, it is is is. Anxiety, is, it doesn't add power to your life. It subtracts power from your life. But prayer is powerful. Anxiety is an ineffective way of dealing with struggles and stress. And yet the Bible says that prayer is both powerful and effective. So anxiety is an alert. Stress is a signal. Worry is a warning. It's time to turn to the Lord and to submit your plan to his plan for your life. Take that next right step, trusting that he's laying your life out for you. And as you do, pray like it matters. Talk to him about the next step you need to take. Talk to him when that warning sign of worry wells up in you. Talk to him when you try and control things that are only in his control. Is the prayer of a righteous person, and if you're a believer in Jesus, that's you. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open your word, to learn and to grow together today. God, I pray that you would help us to be people that trust you. God, we know that you are good. And we know that your plans are good for us. And so, God, we willingly submit our lives to you. Church family, as you pray now, maybe you need just to to pray and submit pieces of your life to the Lord that you're trying to keep control of. Maybe you need to just say, God, I have done everything I can to control the uncontrollable. And so God, I'm going to just submit to your plan and I'm going to do the next right thing and I'm going to pray and talk with you along the way. As the church prays, if you've never believed in Jesus for life, the Bible says that you're a sinner who needs a savior and that the Lord Jesus died in your place, the death that you deserve, Jesus died. And the life that only he deserves, he gives to you when you believe. They buried him in a tomb and three days later he was raised again from the dead to prove that he's God and to offer you life. If today's your day to believe, I want you to mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.